Coming up on this episode, a huge injury blow for the Warriors on the eve of training camp. So who takes Draymond Green's spot in the starting lineup for the season opener on October 24? Plus a look at the blockbuster trades that went down this week in the NBA. Damian Lillard to the Milwaukee Bucks, Drew Holiday subsequently to the Boston Celtics. How will it impact the Warriors and their mindset heading into this season? Yes, welcome back to the Golden State with Mates podcast. Been a big week in the NBA, big week for the Warriors, news floating about, and of course the blockbuster trades of Damian Lillard, now Drew Holiday. But I'll be completely honest, my mindset has been completely away from basketball in the last few days. My AFL team, we won the premiership uh, or the championship for those in America, I suppose, on, uh, on Saturday afternoon, probably in the top three best days of my life, if I'm being honest, which might sound sad to some people, but I think those of you who have just an unbridled passion for any sporting team, any sporting organization, you understand how joyous these moments are. And for me, you know, I was a fan of the Collingwood Football Club from the second I was born. And, you know, we win our first one in my lifetime was 13 years ago when I was 13. And now 13 years later, I'm 26. There's a bit of a trend starting to happen here. And I don't hope that I don't have to wait until I'm 39 to see the next one. But it's been a huge, huge weekend. But ready to get down back to basketball, particularly given we are literally a week away from Golden State Warriors basketball. Preseason opener against the Lakers on October 7. It is absolutely crazy to think. Uh, and it's perfect timing now that you know the AFL season has just wrapped up. As I as I spoke about in the uh, in the intro, there huge news going around the league this week. Uh, I won't be able to get to absolutely everything Warrior related because there has been so much going on in terms of you know Rudy Gay signing a training camp deal and other training camp deals and the battle for the 14th roster spot. We'll get into it all this week. Uh, Going to go back to th- at least three episodes a week from here on out. I've uh, got a couple of guests lined up as well, so looking forward to all of that. But for today, we'll start with probably the biggest news of the past 48 hours. That is a Really, really bad blow uh, in the form of Draymond Green's ankle injury that will see him uh, out for between four to six weeks. It's hugely disappointing because this was an off-season that was really projecting as an ideal one for the Warriors. There was little to nothing in the way of injuries. There was little to nothing in the way of off-season controversies to cause any kind of distraction. It was really presenting as a perfect build-up to training camp, to preseason, and then to hopefully hit the uh, the start of the regular season full of running. They obviously got off to a poor start, three and seven in their opening ten games last season. Wanted to make amends for that, and this is really going to hurt that ability. It's not the end of the world. It's you know an ankle sprain. It's four to six weeks. It's better to happen now than midway through the season. But it obviously does provide some challenges for the Warriors and particularly for head coach Steve Kerr. So the biggest question mark coming out of this now is the four to six week timeline is going to mean that Draymond misses the start of uh, the regular season, obviously October 24 against the Phoenix Suns. He did tell uh, ESPN's Mark Spears that he's happy with the recovery to this point and it could have been a lot worse. Look, they're going to be uber cautious with this and they should be. Take it from me personally, if you listen to one of my episodes a few weeks back, you'll know that I suffered what the doctor said was a severe ankle sprain about... It'll be three weeks tomorrow uh, since that happened and 
trust me, I'm still feeling it. It's not 100%. And I'm kind of worried now that it's going to be kind of a lingering long-term thing. I know I haven't been doing the anywhere near the kind of recovery that I should have been over this period, and I've probably still been testing it out a little bit too much uh, rather than resting it up. You know, right now the pain for me, it's not, you know, any kind of severe pain like it was when it first happened or in the opening, you know, two to three days, but it's just there. It's just an annoying, frustrating, it impacts your ability to go at 100%. I'm probably, if I go, you know, for a jog on the treadmill or something, I'm probably at 50% maybe if I'm lucky and, you know, anything above that, it's just, it's a frustrating injury where you can probably push it. But you know that the pain's just there, so you don't want to. And they are going to be super cautious with this. I don't think it'll be the four-week. I think it'll be the six-week. It could be longer than that. And when Dre does come back, I think he'll be on a severe minutes restriction. That is for sure. And they just should be super cautious with it. There's no doubt. So in terms of the starting lineup, so the biggest thing here, I suppose, is people have said, well, this just pushes the, the Chris Paul starting issue down the road. And that may be correct. And I think that is probably the most likely thing to happen where, you know, Chris Paul starts instead of Draymond Green and you have a CP, Steph, Clay, Wiggs, Loon starting lineup. That is probably the thing that is going to happen. It's not necessarily a thing that I would do. The contrast of going, you know, CP instead of Dre is, you know, that's less stark than CP starting instead of Loon. So you're not giving up, you know, the entire size and defense that you might do if, you know, Dre was healthy and you were starting him at the five and Loon was coming off the bench. The big thing for me here, and we're, you know, I'm super interested now for training camp and and the preseason games. I don't want to overstate things here. I don't want to overreact. This could be the making of Jonathan Kaminga, though. I am being brutally honest there. This could be the making of him. If I'm Jonathan Kaminga, I see this injury to Draymond Green, which actually, ironically, came... I'm not saying it's Kaminga's fault in any way, but it came because Draymond stepped on his foot, which is exactly what I did three weeks ago. Uh, If I'm Jonathan Kaminga, I am looking at this and thinking, there is a starting spot here for me to take hold of if I am good enough and I can prove to Steve Kerr, and I can prove to the rest of the coaching staff in preseason and in training camp that I am the player that is about to explode and make this team a completely different beast. And he just needs to go into training camp and into preseason with that mindset and make it unequivocal that he should be the starting power forward for the Warriors on opening night. He's clearly talented enough. Steve Kerr said last week that, or earlier this week, that he has had a great off-season, that he's ready to go. And the leap here that we want to see between Jonathan Kaminga year two and year three can really start right now in training camp, in preseason. And if he takes the opportunity, he could be the starting power forward for the Warriors on opening night. Aside from that, just you know, a team dynamic perspective, I do think that it would be nice to have JK starting just to then have CP and then Dario Saric also just stabilizing the second unit. Yes, that those guys will be in the second unit regardless, but you know, we've seen Chris Paul is probably the most likely to start. But then I've also seen, you know, Dario Saric as a name thrown out there who could start at the four in place of Draymond Green. And that also makes a lot of sense. Now, he provides the same kind of offensive playmaking and passing that Draymond 
does in terms of you know his ability to find backdoor cutters and stuff like that. You would obviously be giving up something defensively. Now, Dario's 6'10", so you're not giving up any size. In fact, you're actually getting bigger. But obviously, defensively, the versatility that Dre provides, you know, Dario is not going to be able to you know, com- uh, make up for that in, in any way, that is for sure. However, the shooting and the passing, the kind of offensive versatility that he brings alongside, you know, a Steph, a Clay, a Wiggs, and a Loon, seriously intriguing, super intriguing. And I can see why people would be pushing for that. And he's another one that, you know, strong preseason, strong training camp. Maybe he can put his name up there as, you know, a potential replacement for Draymond Green on opening night and in the first couple of weeks. But I just, I would like him in the second unit, that experience to stabilize the second unit along with Chris Paul. And I just think, you know, JK could be the X factor here. And if I'm him, you know, this just could be the making of him. Because what if Jonathan Kaminga comes out and shows in the first five, six games of the season that he is a starting caliber player in this league? And I've said for the last few months, it's been a big point of mine over the offseason, a big emphasis that if the Warriors and Jonathan Kaminga want him to be the player, that he can be in this league and they want him to do that at the Warriors, then at some point he is going to have to be injected into the starting lineup. Now, I'm not saying that's right now, although I think with Dre's injury that should happen, but at some point it will. And what if we get to you know a point where he does start, he performs incredibly well, and he shows himself to be a starting caliber player in this league? I can tell you one thing's for certain if that was to happen. They will be pushing Dre back the timeline on his injury back as far as they possibly could before, you know, there's completely zero risk, right? They would be doing that. When he comes back, Dre, that is, I think he would be coming off the bench for multiple, multiple, multiple games in that scenario. So I think it's really important that, you know, if JK can play well, then it just gives some gives them some leeway with Draymond's injury, which could prove really important. You know, there's no need to rush him back. But I just, I just wonder. There's all this talk about you know who's going to be the sixth man and everything like that. And we actually saw Dre, uh, you know, in the first round series against Sacramento, come off the bench in game six, wasn't it? I think after he missed missed game five with through injury. So uh, I just, I just wonder here if JK just really takes this opportunity and, and he's, you know, makes the most of it. Is there a world, and I'm just putting this out there, is there a world in which he is, you, you can't replace him? Like, you can't bring Dre back in the starting lineup. I know that's a, like, hugely hot take, really. And, I, and I'm not one for hot takes, but I've just, I've always thought that at some point, if they want JK to be the player that he can become in this league, the two-way force that he can, can become, he's talented enough, that at some point he would have to usurp Draymond Green in the starting lineup. And I didn't think that it was going to happen maybe for another 12 months, maybe at this point next season as he goes into his fourth year, maybe that was a possibility. But if I'm him, I'm thinking, no, I want that to, I want that timeline to be accelerated. And here's his chance. He's going to have an opportunity here to put his name up in training camp as a potential replacement for Draymond. And then if he takes his opportunity at the start of the regular season, he's going to make a really tough decision for Steve Kerr. So. Jonathan Kaminga, he's the one. He was probably the one anyway that everyone is looking forward to seeing in preseason to see what kind of rise and improvement we can see out of him. Well, that's just been doubled, really, the interest in that. 
because of this injury to Draymond Green and what it could mean for Jonathan Kaminga, not only in the short term, but in the long term of his career, and particularly at the Warriors as well, because we know over the off-season, particularly earlier in the off-season, there's a lot of you know trade speculation regarding Jonathan Kaminga and his future at the franchise. But it's it's a huge few weeks coming up for him. There is little doubt about that. We'll move on from there. And we've had the big two trades between uh, you know a bunch of teams here, obviously surrounding Portland and their decision to move on from Damian Lillard before training camp, not sending him to the Miami Heat. Instead, the Milwaukee Bucks with Giannis Antetokounmpo putting pressure on them. They're the ones that make the move for Damian Lillard in the blockbuster trade. So he goes to the Bucks initially on Wednesday American time, Thursday morning for me. Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, Tumani Kamara, and future draft capital to the Portland Trailblazers. And then the Suns' involvement, obviously giving up Ayton, and they get back Yusuf Nurkic, Grayson Allen, Nazir Little, and Keon Johnson. So what's the most important thing here for the Warriors? Let's... Let's kind of dive into the different aspects. The first thing for the Warriors is I think you've got to look at it from a Suns perspective. They are one of their biggest rivals in the Western Conference. They'll meet them four times during the regular season, starting on opening night. My first thought here was I don't I don't know why the Suns felt that this incessant need to be involved in the Dame Lillard trade. This wasn't a surprise. There were multiple reports from days earlier that the Phoenix Suns wanted to get involved in this trade regarding Damian Lillard, not as the team getting Dame, but as, you know, the team, a third team, you know, to try and broker a deal here. I just, I don't get it. I I do understand why they did it. They clearly wanted to move on from Aiton and give up that, you know, 30, $33 million player for more depth, right? And they, you know, to an extent they get that with, you know, Yusuf Nurkic who will come into the Aiton spot, Grayson Allen, Nazir Little, Keon Johnson, whatever. I just don't think that Grayson Allen, Nazir Little, and Keon Johnson are anywhere worth going the downgrade from Aiton to Nurkic. Like, a lot of people think that Nurkic is, is an upgrade on Aiton, or at least is like a sideways move. Just no. <laughs> like, I know DeAndre Aiton gets a lot of um, flack for his performances recently, uh, you know, going back to last season and then the playoffs before that. I get it. He's still, you know, an 18 and 10 guy in this league. He's still an incredibly talented. He was a number one overall pick. And he's a guy that, you know, was able to garner a, a, a sheet, a contract sheet from the Indiana Pacers for over $30 million a season for four years. He's an incredibly talented player and he's a good, very good starting center in this league. And I just don't think... Yusuf Nurkic is overpaid for one. He's on $17 million. He's just not worth that post-injuries. And it's a shame for Yusuf Nurkic because he was a good player for Portland pre the broken leg. But since that, he's not the player that he was. And I don't think he's a starting five on a championship team. Now, yes, you can say, well, you know, that team also possesses Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal. Sure. But it's it's not worth it's not worth the downgrade. Those other three players are not worth the downgrade going from Aiton to Nurkic because I think it's a significant downgrade. I've seen people saying that, oh, well, Nurkic is a huge defensive upgrade on Aiton. And I'm not saying that Aiton was any kind of huge shot blocker, you know, rim presence or anything else. Yusuf Nurkic is a major downgrade defensively. Like, I, d- I don't get that perspective whatsoever. 
Yusuf Nurkic is probably going to enter this season as the starting center, and he's probably going to be in the bottom five starting centers. It's the starting centers defensively in the NBA. It doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever from a Suns perspective. Or it does make a little bit. I see what they're trying to do. I just don't think they've actually done it effectively. And and I think from a Warrior perspective, if you're a Warrior fan, you should be very happy that the Suns got in on this deal. Now, I'm stand to prove incorrect. Like, we'll wait and see what happens. Maybe Yusuf Nurkic comes out on opening night and has 20 and 12 against the Warriors and leads the Suns to a victory. Maybe. But my first instinct and the one that's, you know, remained with me since that trade went down was I just don't know why Phoenix needed to do that deal. And that Yusuf Nurkic is a significant downgrade on DeAndre Ayton. Grayson Allen's a nice player, nice 3 and D player. A starter for the Milwaukee Bucks in the last couple of seasons. He's, at, at times, he's a good player. Uh, not, a, not a needle mover for me. Nazir Little, I actually like some of the things he did with Portland. A, a nice athletic wing. Can shoot the ball a little bit. Again, it's not, not moving the needle for me. You know, if you're, as a Warriors fan, you're not, you're not scared now facing Grayson Allen and Nazir Little on opening night. And Keon Johnson, by the sound of it, is not going to be part of the Suns organization at all anyway. I think he's already moved on. So it just it didn't make sense to me from a, a Portland, uh, sorry, from a Phoenix perspective. Portland, you know, obviously the Warriors are going to face them multiple times, another Western Conference team. I don't think that, you know, it really mattered. Like Dane was always going to go somewhere. Portland were always going to go into this rebuild. Aiton, I think, is a nice get to be honest, to get Aiton out of this and, and we'll go and, and get into the Drew Holiday deal in a second. But I think Aiton as a centerpiece around a Dame deal is actually not too bad. He's still young. He's 24, years, 24, 25 years old. Like there's some room to grow there for DeAndre Aiton, particularly given he should get some more offensive opportunity in Portland. And I think they're building a nice young core. And I think they could be dangerous on a night-to-night basis. Now, I'm not saying they're going to win any games against the Warriors this season, but they're going to be like scoot. Shaden Sharp, they've still got Jeremy Grant. Don't know what's going to happen there, but we'll wait and see. But you got Aiton. And then we'll get into the Drew Holiday deal, which obviously has just happened. So the, Drew Holiday goes to the Celtics for Malcolm Brogdon, Robert Williams, two future picks, which actually includes the Warriors' first-round pick in 2024, which uh, went to Memphis in the Iggy trade in 2019 when the, the Warriors had to get off Iggy's money in order to bring in D'Angelo Russell. So it's kind of a full circle moment there, which is interesting. But I love this deal from a Boston perspective. You give up two players who are incredibly injury prone. I know Malcolm Brogdon won six man of the year last season. Congratulations to him. But there's a reason that the Celtics wanted to trade him earlier in the offseason for Chris Porzingis in the deal that they eventually had to give up Marcus Smart for. I think from a chemistry perspective, uh, there was reports that Malcolm Brockton was pretty mad about the fact that they wanted to trade him so soon after he just won six man of the year. So I think to get off him before training camp, I think chemistry-wise, is just a, a good thing. Robert Williams is an incredibly talented young center. We know what he did for, for the Celtics in their 2021-22 run, where obviously they met the Warriors in the finals. He's also incredibly injury-prone. Uh, and, you know, two future picks, well, that's just, you know, what you give up these days for a two-time All-Star like Drew Holiday, who gives them an incredible defensive uh, core, I suppose, there. And, and placing him next to Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, 
that is incredible. And then you've got Porzingis at the five who, you know, say what you want about his defense. Like, he can be a shot-blocking presence. You've still got Al Horford there as well, who's versatile uh, defensively, albeit he's coming towards the end of his career. I'm not particularly sure how much he's got left. Whatever you say, though, that starting five is absolutely elite. There's two Eastern Conference teams here in the Bucks and the Celtics who have got significantly better by making these deals. Significantly. And to me, like this has put the Warriors behind the eight ball when it comes to, you know, championship contention. Like they are, I think, well behind the Bucks and the Celtics now. But does that actually matter? Because come playoff time, you're not going to see one of those two teams until the NBA Finals. And then if you make it to the NBA Finals, you've got a one in two shot. Anything can happen at that point. Anything. And so maybe you think, no, like we're just comfortable with how it is. We see the West, you know, the Nuggets are on top, but the West side from that is very open. We could easily get to the Western Conference Finals, see how things play out. Maybe we beat Denver or whoever else. And then we get to the NBA Finals, and you've got a shot. You've got a shot. Injuries happen, whatever it is. We saw in 2019 with the Warriors and the Raptors. Warriors were overwhelming favorites. A couple of injuries happen, Raptors win a title. So do the, would the Warriors actually care about what the Celtics and the Bucks have done? I, I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced. Now, they were a team that was you know, reported or suggested as a destination for Drew Holiday. Should they have made a move for Drew Holiday? Obviously, they could have moved on from Chris Paul. It probably, it probably would have taken CP, Moody, and Kaminga. Should they have done that? Now, if you remove Kaminga from the, from the equation, I would, have, I would probably have made that deal. I would have made Chris Paul, Moses Moody, and whatever else you needed to do, picks-wise, salary, filler, whatever it is, for Drew Holiday. I, I, I think Drew Holiday is fantastic. I've, <laughs> he's one of the most versatile players on both ends in the league. His ability to defensively, to guard one through four, basically, and can even battle some fives, like he's a strong you know, 6'5 body. And then offensively, he can run an offense for you. He's a, a nice playmaker, a nice, um, you know, can get to the rim off the dribble. And he also is an effective off-ball player as well. And I think he'd work perfectly alongside Stephen Clay. And I think, particularly defensively, like it would be so much more viable to have Drew Holiday as part of a, a three-guard unit than it would be to be, you know, to have Chris Paul. But I think the Warriors were also, and this is ultimately what you know what they ended up doing, was they wanted to to push forward with Chris Paul and, and you know to make all these remarks that they have about how excited they ha- they are to have Chris Paul on the team, how excited they are to see how it's going to work moving forward. Like there's little there's little doubt for me here that they may have looked at it and thought, no, like we're going to hold our word here that we've had for the whole off season that you know Chris Paul is here to make an impact for us and to help us try and win a championship this season. And so I would have probably made the deal, but I can see why they wouldn't have even entertained it. And if it had to involve Jonathan Kaminga, I've seen people that said, yes, we would give up Chris Paul, Moses Moody, Jonathan Kaminga for Drew Holiday. And I, I get it to an extent. I wouldn't have done it. I just still think the JK ceiling is that high that I just wouldn't have wouldn't have pulled the trigger on that. Chris Paul and Moses Moody, yeah, probably. But as I said, I can see why the Warriors didn't really consider it. 
Anyway, we'll uh, we'll leave it up there for this episode. Plenty happening, uh, as I said at the start. Like we've had, you know, Rudy Gay, others signed to training camp deals. I'm going to get into all of that. Going to go back to three episodes, at least a week from now on. But uh, let me know what you think about any of the uh, the content that I've delivered on today's episode. The Dre injury, who you think should start in place of him on opening night against the Phoenix Suns. Of course, the Dame deal, what do you think it means for Portland and for Phoenix, the two teams in the Western Conference? And are you worried about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Boston Celtics and the way that they have improved their firepower through Dame and Drew in the past few days? It's all happening in the NBA now. I'm thoroughly looking forward to it. Any comments you've got, you can leave uh, with me at POC252, that's P-O-K-252 on Twitter. If you're watching or listening to this on YouTube, you can uh, leave a comment down below. Subscribe if you haven't already. It'd be greatly appreciated. And, of course, you can follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts as well. Other than that, guys, looking forward to another episode in a couple of days' time where we're going to get into some more uh, Warrior-specific things. I know that a couple of things today with the, the Damian Lillard and Drew Holiday trade didn't necessarily impact the Warriors specifically, uh, but you know, I think they were two things that were pretty important uh, across the whole landscape of the NBA. But other than that, guys, enjoy your week ahead, and I'll see you on the next episode.